Uh, he claims to be the property of an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Is he a relative of yours? Do you know who he's talking about? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. I think my uncle knows him. He said he was dead. Oh, he's not dead. Not yet. Well, you know him. Well, of course I know him. He's me. I haven't gone by the name of Obi-Wan since all before you were born. Jedi is power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, penetrates us, binds the galaxy together. Everybody. Welcome to The Force, of course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and holy hairy baby farts do we have a lot to talk about this week. We have so many announcements and trailers coming out of Celebration. Most of it good, some of it okay. And we have not one, but two episodes of Kenobi to go over. Exciting doesn't even begin to cover it. I don't even want to waste any more time. Let's head right over to The Force, of course, News of the Week. As I said before, lots of trailers came out of Star Wars Celebration Anaheim over the weekend, the last of which was Season 2 of The Bad Batch. I won't cover it shot for shot, but some cool things to note are the gang appears to have some new armor. There's a Wookiee Jedi, there's lots of action, and Omega has a helmet of sorts. And crabs. Omega has crabs. The trailer says Season 2 is dropping this fall, which confirms that I had bad intel, and it will not be dropping in late July. So, there's that. We also got a trailer for Andor, and the best way I can sum it up is to say that it looks different. And that's a good thing. I'm not going to do a shot-by-shot breakdown of that one either, at least not this week. I don't have enough time, but maybe next week we can take a look at that together. Andor is going to take place five years before Rogue One, and Season 1 and 2 will both have 12 episodes. A new series announcement dropped, and we will be getting Skeleton Crew, a series starring Jude Law and a bunch of teenagers, I believe. Not too sure about this one, but I dig Jude Law, and the title's dope, so fingers crossed. Skeleton Crew will release in 2023 sometime. Mando Season 3 is confirmed for a February 2023 release, and that feels so far away. There was also a teaser trailer shown exclusively at Celebration, but I was able to check it out, and we will be discussing that next week as well. Very cool stuff there. Exclusive footage of Ahsoka was also shown during a panel at Celebration, and we are definitely getting Harrison Dula and Sabine Wren in this series. Sabine will be played by Natasha Lou Bordizo. Uh, Natasha has been in a few films, none of which I've seen, but she has a cool look and I think she'll fit the character quite well. During a panel, Kathleen Kennedy confirmed that there is still a Lando series in the works and the plan is for Donald Glover to play the smooth scoundrel. 
it's like she heard my last episode. Kathleen, if you're listening, how about an animated series of unrelated shorts set all over the Star Wars universe and timeline done by some of the artists who contribute to the Netflix series Love, Death, and Robots? Or better yet, a series about the classic bounty hunters in that style, gritty and violent. Make that happen, okay? Another series announced is Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, a six-part animated series focusing primarily on two famed Force users. Three episodes will focus on Dooku and his young Padawan Qui-Gon. Uh, Qui-Gon will be voiced by Liam Neeson's son as a younger man and by Liam Neeson himself in other scenes. The other three episodes will focus on Ahsoka, filling in the blanks of her childhood. That part sounds less exciting to me, honestly. Other characters in this series will be Anakin, Mace Windu, and a pre-cybernetic General Grievous, which sounds kind of awesome. We saw a trailer for the Jedi Survivor video game, and I have to say it looks pretty dope. Hopefully the playthrough doesn't feel repetitive. And finally, Jon Favreau confirmed he's currently writing a fourth season of The Mandalorian, which is fan-fucking-tastic. And this concludes the Force, of course, News of the Week. Okay, before we take a break, I thought maybe we could go to Tashi Station. But I was going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converter. Ugh, gross. So whiny. All right, welcome to Tashi Station. This is where we talk about Star Wars tech, ships, weapons, planets and systems, and creatures. Today, I thought it would be fitting to introduce a lot of you to the T-16 Skyhopper. I played a game with some friends, some of them listeners, where we did some true-false questions regarding our expectations of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. One of the questions was, will we see a T-16 Skyhopper? I thought, you know, it would be a cool nod to A New Hope and something vague enough that the showrunners might consider it. And lo and behold, they did. But I was shocked that more than a few of my friends and family hadn't heard of a T-16 before. So here we are. The T-16 Skyhopper is a one- or two-man ship that was both fast and highly maneuverable, making it an excellent ship to learn on. The controls are similar to the X-Wing fighter, but that's where the similarities basically stop. We get our first glimpse of a T-16 in 1977's A New Hope when C-3PO is taking his oil bath and Luke is sitting on his bed playing with a toy of that same ship. Now that toy was actually the unfinished conceptual model for the movie. And if you look close, you can see an actual T-16 in the garage behind C-3PO in that same scene. Now, you may ask yourself, if Luke had that ship, why did he use a land speeder to find R2-D2 later? He could have covered more ground with a ship like that. And that's very true, but while showing off for Biggs, Luke pulled a dangerous move in Beggar's Canyon and fried the instrument cluster in his ship. Now it sits in the garage, desperately needing repairs. The T-16 has a three-wing appearance, one straight up like a dorsal fin and two on the sides that raises it lands and lowers during flight, much like the Imperial Shuttle we see in Return of the Jedi, but on a much smaller scale. The ship has a single blaster cannon on it, which makes it an ineffective fighter, but it's fast and turns on a dime, I guess, or a credit, I don't know. Produced by the Incom Corporation, the same designers behind the T-65 X-Wing Starfighter and the Z-95 Headhunter, Modified versions of the T-16 are used by many law enforcement agencies, but it doesn't have real military applications. I thought it was really cool when Obi-Wan bought a T-16 toy from Tika the Jawa. Getting a peek at the origin story of that little prop added some cool flavor to a relatively boring scene from decades ago. It was really cool to see. 
And now you guys know a little more about the T-16 Skyhopper. And that's the kind of thing you'll learn in Tashi Station. Okay, let's go ahead and take that break now. And when we come back, it's Kenobi time. Stick around. Rebo's got the beat, and the band plays on. You can relive it all with Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Introducing Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately. Play it again, Size. Starring Size Noodles. Goofy McCool on clarinet, Max Rebo on organ. Ribbit Rebo. <laughs> Dance, Droopy. It's your last solo, Snoodles. Whoa-ho-ho. Use Size Noodles and the Rebo Band. Jabba the Hutt action playset sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Okay, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break. I know I did. I watched Kenobi again. Just, you know, to get it fresh in my head so we can discuss it in detail here. You know, for science. Now, if you haven't had the time or the opportunity to watch the first two episodes of Kenobi yet, maybe go do that and come back. Because I'm not going to hold back any spoilers. I'm jumping right in. Uh, I also won't go over each scene uh, of the show. If you watched it, you should know what I'm talking about, and I shouldn't have to walk you through the episodes. That's just boring. And before I begin, let me just say, Moses Ingram, in my opinion, did a fantastic job as Reva. She's getting a lot of flack. A lot of people are, like, throwing a ton of hate speech out there, a lot of racist bullshit, and please do me this favor. If you're contributing to that in any way, Please stop listening to this show and go die in a fire. I have family members that I won't talk to because of shit like that, so I'm not going to put up with it here. Okay. Before the first episode even starts, we get a recap. And this is brilliant and not something any other series has done. Uh, the recap focuses on Anakin almost as much as it does Obi-Wan, which could mean the series will do the same thing. Just watching Anakin turn to the dark side in the recap again and how Obi-Wan cut him down on the sunny beaches of Mustafar... That's really powerful stuff. Anyway, the last words spoken in the recap are from Yoda, and he's telling Obi-Wan that he has more training for him while he's in exile. His old master, Qui-Gon, figured out how to communicate from beyond. Now, if you watch any show that starts off with any kind of recap like this, you already know that if they show a scene or a character from a previous episode, it's because that character is going to play heavily in what you're about to watch. That tells us we'll most likely get some Qui-Gon Jinn in this show, right? So I think I'll just go through the episodes and tell you what I liked and what I didn't so much like. And if you want to keep score at home, my son Andrew was kind enough to get me the sound effects from Family Feud. So if I like something, you'll hear this. And if I thought something sucked, you'll hear this. And I'm sure I'm going to ramble on in between, so let's just get into it. Now, I didn't expect to see Order 66 from another viewpoint. Not sure who this Jedi Master is, but she's teaching some younglings how to do some cool wax-on-wax-off shit when they are interrupted by some 501st clones who just want to shoot the place up and kill everybody. No big deal. This Jedi kicked some serious ass but just couldn't stand up to an unlimited number of clones. They, they eventually take her out, and her younglings are left to figure out their next move, which is run like hell. Now, why did we get this scene? It wasn't a flashback of something we'd already seen. It wasn't a dream that Obi-Wan was having. It was put there for a very specific reason. And I think that reason is to show us where Reva comes from. I think she was one of those younglings, and I think this is going to come full circle later in the series. Write that down. Okay. So we see some random-ass Jedi on Tatooine getting flushed out by the Inquisitors. 
This guy is lame, and they should have just killed him, but I guess he progresses the story, so whatever. But for real, he sucks. He sucks for really real. Next item. Obi-Wan has a job now, and it's actually worse than Ray's job back on Jakku. It appears as if a sand whale, that's what I learned on the interwebs, has died at some point, and his job is to cut the meat off this thing and make, uh... Meat bricks. Honestly, this is a cool visual, but I sure as hell wouldn't eat anything that's been laying in the hot twin suns for any amount of time. This thing is half buried, and I'm sure it's got to be rotten. I don't even want to think about the smell. I'm sure it smells way worse than horse hiccups. Also, I guess Tatooine doesn't have any opportunistic carnivores? This, seem, this thing seems to be relatively intact. Moving on. We see that Ben, I, I guess I should be calling him Ben now, right? I don't want to give him away. But we see that Ben is still riding in the Opie. Not clear if it's the same one we saw him riding in Revenge of the Sith at the end. I don't know. I will say, hopefully, Eopies are faster than Banthas. Obi-Wan lives in a cave right now. He doesn't have his hut yet. Uh, this checks out, I guess. He's still trying to figure out how to be in exile. He has this weird alarm system on his cave, and it looks like R2's sensor scope that comes out of the sand to give him the all-clear or the intruder alert in a later scene. And I swear to God, I'm telling you guys right now, if I find out that R2-D2 is buried in the fucking sand during this series, I'm going to lose my shit. Ben has a Jawa friend, Tika the Jawa, and he's here to deliver a T-16 model to Ben, and we all know where this is going. We just talked about this. Uh, there's some fantastic dialogue here between Ben and this Jawa. I just love it. And Ben still has his snarkiness, even though he is broken. He's definitely broken. Uh, then Ben has a nightmare and calls upon Qui-Gon for guidance. And Qui-Gon is a no-show. I'm sure at some point in this, Qui-Gon's going to show up. I, I just know it's going to happen. Probably, uh, I don't know, I'm going to take a stab and say the fourth episode. It's going to happen, but not today. Ben checks in on Luke and the Lars Homestead from a distance, and we get the idea that this is a pretty common thing for him to do. Then after nightfall, he sneaks in and drops off the T-16 toy for Luke to find the next day. It's such a cool tie into A New Hope where we see Luke playing with that model. Obviously, Ben's going to have to figure out how to get it past Uncle Owen, though, because we see Owen throw the damn thing back at Ben the next day. What a cranky bastard. Uh, that lame-ass Jedi, Nari, shows up again and asks Obi-Wan what he's doing on Tatooine and why he doesn't join the fight. And Ben tries to convince him that he's confused and that he should just fuck right off. We get to see Alderaan. Quite a bit of it, actually. Jimmy Smits is back as Bail Organa, and we get a young Leia. Doing a lot of what she's not supposed to be doing, and she has a little robot friend, Lola, that reminds me of that Batteries Not Included movie from a long time ago. Now, Leia has a keen knack for reading people as a little girl. Is this a Force ability? It, I, if it is, I'm not aware, but it, it kind of feels like she's definitely tapping into something here. She's just really able to zero in on what drives a person and, and what they're all about. Um, it comes out when she breaks her asshole cousin down for being rude to droids, and then it comes out later when she's reading Obi-Wan. I mean, Ben. Also, we see C-3PO, we saw C- we see saw 3PO, saw, whoop, well, also we saw C-3PO. Did I mention Uncle Owen's a grumpy old cock? 
but I guess he really does mean well. I think, I think I'm starting to realize that he just wanted what was best for Luke. He didn't have to throw the damn T-16, though. He, he didn't have to be mean to Ben. That was He said some shitty shit. All right, the Inquisitors are back. Reva cuts off an old broad's hand, and then she threatens Owen. And Ben came super close to getting caught. This Reva's out of control. It's obvious she wants to get this job done as fast as possible so she can go back to hunting Obi-Wan. She's desperate to find him and bring him to Vader, but it isn't clear why, at least not yet. It builds suspense. It's kind of cool to see Alderaan in one piece, but the scenes there are kind of boring to me. They set up the story and give Obi-Wan his call to action. I mean, Leia's kidnapped and it's up to him to save her, blah, blah, blah. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, she's kidnapped by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. But the scene in the woods where they grab her is slow and kind of over-choreographed. It was uh, very reminiscent of the scooter chase in Book of Boba Fett. Uh, the Organas call Ben on his little Comtech chip reader thingy and beg him to save her. And he says, nah. This is the classic hero's journey. The hero has a call to action and he refuses or ignores it at first. Ben does exactly that. He tells them to find someone else and hangs up. Oh, I ding that because the show is using the Joseph Campbell playbook for mythical heroes, not because Ben turned them down. I don't know if that was confusing. I think the whole ding and buzzing thing might be confusing, but it's fun, and I'm going to fucking keep doing it. So there we go. Now, that weak-ass Jedi, uh, what was his name? Mari? Nari? I don't know. But he's dead now, thank God, and hanging in the streets of Tatooine. Fuck that guy. Jimmy Smith's Organa shows up in Ben's cave. How did he know where Ben was hiding? If he's that easy to find, what what's the goddamn point? But he calls Ben out for being scared and tells him that there's no one else that he trusts with his child and that they are headed for the planet Dayu. Flea breaks Lola. Uh, to wrap up episode one, or part one, as it's called in this series, we have two things going on at the same time. Uh, we have Ben riding his Yopi, proving to be just as slow as a bantha. Damn it. Out in the middle of the desert to dig up his lightsaber and then booking passage to Dayu. So he is accepting the hero's journey after all. We also see Flea communicating with Riva, who is behind Leia's kidnapping. Flea asks if she's sure this is a good move. She says he fought next to her father in the Clone Wars. It isn't exactly clear why she wants to get Obi-Wan to Vader so badly. Like, is it to curry favor with Vader and become his apprentice, maybe? Or is it so she can get within striking distance of Vader? I, I don't know. It's not clear. And that's the end of part one. Overall, a fabulous start. My initial thought is I have a good feeling about this. I hope Leia doesn't play too heavily in the series as a whole. I'm not a huge fan of kids in Star Wars. Let's keep going. Part two, we're on Dayu. I'm so glad this whole series doesn't take place on Tatooine. The planet is modeled after Tokyo, and it looks pretty dope. Ben is once again reaching out to Master Qui-Gon, and again, no answer. I like that we're building to the point where Obi-Wan is finally ready to accept Qui-Gon as a Force ghost. He isn't ready yet. He's resigned himself to defeat and closed himself off from the Force, and therefore he doesn't deserve Qui-Gon as a Force ghost. He's got he's to get his shit together. We see Tamara Morrison playing an old clone down on his luck and in desperate need of a haircut and begging for credits. I'd love to see Commander Cody in this. 
Um, Commander Cody was Obi-Wan's clone commander from the Clone Wars, or from, well, the Clone Wars and uh, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Now, this moment kind of gave me pause because I thought, uh, if I was Ben, I'd be afraid the clone might have recognized him and then tried to order 66's ass, but it didn't happen. Then Ben turns around and almost runs smack dab into stormtroopers patrolling the streets. So this shows you that the clones are no more, basically, and things have changed. This is the first time Ben is seeing stormtroopers, maybe. I doubt they're represented heavily on Tatooine. Um, this little chick that tries to sell Ben drugs is actually Ewan McGregor's real-life daughter, and that's pretty cool. Way to get your daughter in as a cameo. That's awesome. Uh, Kamal Nanjiani is hilarious as a con man posing as a Jedi. I love that later he actually does the right thing and helps Ben and Leia escape. Also, when the fifth brother talks, it sounds like there's a force behind it. Am I the only one hearing that? I don't, I don't know how to describe that any better. But if you, if you watch it with headphones on, you can definitely pick up on it. Um, Reva's pissed, so she puts a massive bounty on Kenobi because, of course, Dayu is full of bounty hunters. Uh, whatever, it's convenient. One thing people are upset about is that there is a bounty hunter that looks like a velociraptor. This isn't a new thing, though. The Tishar species has been around since 1979's Han Solo at Star's End. It's a cool callback to that species. We also see a droid that looks like Forlom, but I don't think it's actually him because he gets blasted and that doesn't fit our story for Empire, does it? So maybe this is 3-Lom or 2-Lom or some shit. But he was cool to see in action. Reva has some badass force parkour moves. Flea is killed by the Grand Inquisitor's spinning lightsaber, and I swear we're going to see one of these fuckers use this to fly like a helicopter. All right, Ben has to open himself up to the force to save Leia from a rooftop fall. Lots of Ben fighting bounty hunters. That's all pretty cool. Stormtroopers marching into the fray. All right, so the Inquisitors have the outbound flights locked down, but Kamal Nanjiani tells Ben to hop on a certain cargo freighter. And it'll take them to Mapuzo. I don't know anything about Mapuzo. Maybe I need to do some homework. Um, there will be people there waiting to help them. I dig the mystery behind that. Before he can get on board, though, Reva catches up to them and she drops a bomb on Kenobi. She tells him she's going to take him to Lord Vader. And Ben is stunned. He is visibly shook. She says, oh, you didn't know? He's alive. Anakin Skywalker is alive. She uses Anakin's name. How does she know that? Before she can catch up to Ben, the Grand Inquisitor shows up and Reva stabs him, giving Obi-Wan the opportunity to jump on the freighter and blast off. Now, Ben is clearly out of sorts. This is more damaging than anything else he's sustained so far. He says Anakin's name, kind of mutters it to himself, and we cut to none other than Anakin and his back to tank. Breath hissing, and he's got his angry eyes on. Roll credits. Okay, these first two episodes were damn near perfect. Vivian Lyra Blair did a great job as Leia, but I really do hope Ben gets her home and safe and then we're done with her. This is Kenobi, after all, not the adventures of young Leia. All right, guys, that's enough out of me for today. Thank you all so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. If you like what you hear, tell a buddy, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to grow the audience, and the audience is growing. I thank you so much for that. You can always interact with me on social media at The Force Of Course on Instagram and Facebook. You can email the show directly at TheForceOfCourse77 at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. This has been... 
the Force of Course, your bite-sized Star Wars podcast. My name is Ted, and as always, play with your toys.